0: We're gonna be looking, as we continue, we're gonna be looking, what we're gonna get to is we're gonna be looking at both the books of Joshua and Judges, and we're gonna be looking at right in our own eyes. But as I was there at class, one of the um, one of the other pastors that was taking the class said, Hey, Cody, he showed me a picture. What does this look like to you? Or what color does this look like? Now, you might have seen some of this before. And if you have, that's okay. Uh, but uh, I want to get an idea of how many people see what when they see this. So here's a dress. And uh, what colors do you see in that dress? Or what are the main colors of the dress? okay so you say blue and what blue and brown or black how many raise your hand how many say blue and brown or blue and black something like that okay does anybody else see different colors okay white and orange or uh uh-huh tan gold so normally it would be white and gold so how many I want to I would just maybe just so we can see how many see the white and gold stand up I want everybody to see how many see the white and the gold okay go ahead and stand up Okay so we have about yeah this is about what I was expecting okay that's good a little bit over half I think see the white and the gold Now that's exactly what I see is the white and the gold okay you can sit down and so They've, this actually went through the internet, and they did, have done scientific studies on it now because of uh, because of this phenomenon. Apparently, several years ago, people were arguing all over on the internet about it. But to me, it looks very Egyptian. It looks white and gold, and obviously, some others see the white see it as white and gold, but others see it as blue and black or blue and brown. That's and it's it's very separate. Now. This has been done taking out, this is the same image, but without the surrounding, just that context. What do you see now? Blue and brown, right? I don't think anybody, probably nobody sees the white and the uh, gold. So, but if we were to go back, you see the white and the gold. So this is what we're seeing as white. This is what we're seeing as gold. So what is going on here? And so they've actually studied it. It's We're all seeing the same image. By the way, this dress, it was taken, there was a, a, a mother that was getting a dress for a wedding, and she took a picture and said, how do you think this will go? And sent it to the bride, and, and it started a family fight. <laughs> <laughs> because some people saw gold and white, and others saw brown uh, r- blue and, and black, of course, and so uh, then it went over the throughout the internet. So what is actually happening we 're seeing the same image, but our brain is interpreting it differently based on our perspective of the light that is shining on it and so if you see the br- the blue and the the black or the blue and the brown. You're seeing it probably with inside lighting. You're seeing it as warm light. But if you're seeing it as the gold and the white, you're probably seeing it, your brain is interpreting it as outside light or a very cool or bright light. Now, do you want to see the dress in different lighting? The middle dress is, whoops, the middle dress is the dress in different lighting. And so uh, the it's obvious that it is actually blue and uh, black, but it is uh, the lighting that is throwing us. Now, if you want to see it, probably can everybody see the blue and the brown and the gold and the white there? So that's just it, taking the light and just changing it in the picture so that everybody will be able to see it. Now, I've got another picture here. What color do you see here? Okay, green and green and gray or turquoise and gray does anybody else see a different color now you're okay so you see a pinkish and what okay not the stitching but the uh this right here okay mint green okay mint green and gray Does anybody see anything else Okay, that's, that's very, that's very interesting. based on what I know about the color correcting and the monitors, that's what I was going to, it depends on the, the flash exposure. That could easily be white, uh, and it could be too dark. Okay. So Alright. Okay, so, but that's it. It could change like that, right? Now it's very interesting to me that everybody saw the almost, that I think everybody except maybe Ben saw the gray and the teal or the the mint green. That's unusual. Most there would normally be a division there. That's the actual shoe. <laughs> Yeah, some will change it, but this is, this is the lighting. It's the same issue. Warm or cool light. And so, when I see it, and that's, it was interesting when they were showing it there at class this week, that I saw the green and the, and the gray. And they're like, what do you mean? It's white and it's pink. Most people thought it was white and pink when they were looking at the exact same picture. But even though you know it, your eyes are interpreting it. Your brain actually is interpreting it. There are optical illusions based on light. There's other optical illusions. What do you see there? Okay. Now, this one is different. The colors, normally you cannot make your brain see it. Okay, so two faces. Do you see the vase as well? okay so this one is one where if somebody tells you there might be one thing that you see originally but if somebody tells you then it uh will then you can so this is easier to see the two faces there uh like that if somebody tells you you can see it the other way here's another example of that what do you see here okay you see uh you see a what A a duck or a rabbit you see a rabbit Okay, so if you look at it like this, what do you see? Look at it from this side, you see a rabbit. Now you look at it kind of orientated this way, what do you see? You see a duck. So these types of things, you can, your mind, your eyes play tricks on you. Here's another example. What do you see? Look at it like this, going this way, what do you see? Two birds. So you have kind of a, a little bird there and then a bird that's flying. Now look at it going this way. You see kind of a cat and a rabbit, right? And so the orientation of how you look at it. Yeah, so it's birds or rabbits. Our eyes, the point is, our eyes can play tricks on us, can't they? We cannot trust our eyes. Here's another one. All right. Now, We see this gradient, right? So what's the trick here? Okay, this is a gradient. This is the same color. No, it's the exact same color. It's the contrast is different. It's exactly the same color, but because you, it's on top of a gradient, our mind interprets this is darker and this is lighter. And I tested this this morning. I put a color picker uh, on a Photoshop program. It wasn't Photoshop, but one like it. And it's the exact same color all the way across. But do you see that? I can't see it with my eyes, even though these others that we looked at, I can make myself see either way. But this one, it always looks like to me that this is a light gradient going this way. And this one is a light gradient that goes this way. Here's one more. Then we'll get into what we're looking at. Those two orange dots are the same color. And these two squares are the same color as well. And I tested that as well today uh, to try to get it. I can't make myself see it. It's, It's this shadow effect that is making it, it's making all this darker, but our mind is interpreting it because we know it's a checkerboard and we can see the pattern even though this color has become the same as these colors, our mind is interpreting it still as a checkerboard. My point in all of this is, we can't trust our eyes. <laughs> so <he doesn't> <laughs> That's right. And what's very interesting is with the dress and the shoe. Apparently it started family fights and internet fights and all sorts of things because If you saw it, you couldn't change your mind to make it look differently. That's the way you saw it. And so one person saw this, another person saw this, both were adamant that they were right. Now, what's the point? Judges 21, 25, the very last verse in the book of Judges says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And when we look at the book of Judges, this verse is the tragic story of the book of Judges. I'm going to go back to normal here. <laughs> so let's look at this. Let's go to Joshua and Judges and see what we can find here. Let's begin. When we look at Joshua, the book of Joshua is a book about God fulfilling His promises. God fulfills His promises. We see in the first half of the book of Joshua, God fulfills His promises and they enter the promised land. And in the last half of the book of Joshua, God fulfills His promises and they inherit the promised land. Joshua is a book of victory. Turn to Joshua chapter (coughs) 1. Joshua chapter 1, let's read verse 5 and verse 9. What makes Joshua a book of victory and judges a book of disaster? Joshua 1, verses 5 and verse 9. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse 9 Have have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Are not those precious promises for Joshua as he's preparing to enter the promised land? He's leading a group of men and women and they've never really, they're not hardened soldiers. They have a nation, they have multiple city states to conquer. And God promises them, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. God keeps his promises. Why did God keep his promises? Because Joshua was following Jesus as his king. And we see this as we continue through the story of the book of Joshua, which we're not going to look at in detail. God directs the priests to march into the River Jordan. Now, the Bible is very clear in Joshua chapter 3, verse 15, that the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped into the edge of the water. Have you ever stood at the bank of a flooding river before? How swift is the water of a flooding river going? Where we used to live out in Washington State, at the back of where we lived was a river. And this river was very wide at that point, but it wasn't normally wide because it was normally just, I don't know, maybe... 50 to 100 feet wide. But there's a, it fanned out, there's a large area. But in November, when there was snow up on the mountains, and they would get what they call the Pineapple Express, there would be warm, uh, warm rain that would come, and the rain would come not only down in the valley, but also up on the mountains, and it would be melting the snow, and all, everything would be running off. That river would go to a raging torrent. And I can remember going back and standing at the edge there and watching trees that are 100, 200, 300, not 300 feet, 100 or 150 feet tall shooting down the river. And as you stood there, you could hear these boulders crashing against the other, one another, as the water uh, carried these boulders along. Would you feel like stepping into that river? But God had given the directions contrary to what seemed logical or what made sense. God had given the directions not just to step into this raging river, but to carry the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of God's presence, into the river itself. Of course, we know the story. What happens as their feet touch the water? The water stops. But was that counterintuitive to put your feet carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the most sacred article of furniture in the entire sanctuary? Was it counterintuitive to walk into a flooding river? Completely counterintuitive. But they followed the directions. Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. Joshua goes outside of the camp to pray and to meditate upon what he is to do. And notice what we have here. Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua is there, and what what do we see happening? The Lord appears to him. And Joshua, this soldier, goes up to him and says, Are you for us or are you for his enemies? He thinks he's meeting another individual of war. And what is the response? Neither. I'm the commander of the army. Joshua is a book of victory because they followed the commander of the army. And Jesus there gives Joshua the battle plan for Jericho. And what's that battle plan? March around the city seven days and go back home, or six days and go back home each of those days, and then march around it seven times and shout. Now, if you told a general that that was the battle plan he was going to use for his army, how many would be apt to accept that battle plan? It's counterintuitive, isn't it? What is marching around a city going to do? It's not going to do anything unless you're following the directions of your divine leader. We see the Lord fighting for Joshua and the, and the children of Israel, the sun standing still. The Lord the, uses the verse, the Lord heeded the voice of a man and the Lord fought for Israel. Go to Rev- Joshua chapter 21, Joshua chapter 21, verses 43 to 45. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. What does God do? What does, for Joshua and the armies of Israel here? He fulfills His Word, doesn't He? God had promised the promised land to Joshua, and the promised land was given, it was conquered, it did, it took place as the Lord had said. It's divided now. They're given this land. All of God's promises were fulfilled. Why? Do you suppose if they would have waited for the Jordan River to subside before marching across, do you suppose they would have drawn across on dry land? Probably not. If they had decided to only march around the river, uh, to only march around uh, Jericho six times, do you think the city would have been conquered? Probably not. The key to their success was following the directions of their divine leader. Receiving the promises and experiencing victory are connected to following our divine leader. Joshua reveals a group of people that trusted in Jesus and followed him and God was able to bless them and to reveal his word to them. And there's an amazing statement that is made. Of course, we read it in our scripture reading in Joshua chapter 24, and we're familiar with Joshua 24, 15, where Joshua appeals to them at the end of his life, choose you this day whom you will serve. But we don't normally read the rest of it. Joshua says, Or the people answer and say, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua says, you won't, you can't serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. And the people say, no, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua says, put away your foreign gods. Incline your heart to the Lord. And they say, we will do as the Lord has said. They saw that when they followed their leader, things went well. Notice verse 31 of Joshua 24. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. What does it say they did? They served the Lord. How long did they serve him? All their days, right? That's an amazing testimony. They served the Lord. That generation served the Lord all their days. Is that something we want God to say about us as well? Does God want to bring down the Jerichos in our lives as well today? Does God want to give us passage over the impossible flooding rivers today? Sometimes we come to a point in our life and it seems like it's impassable because there's no bridge, there's no ferry, and the river is swelling to its banks. Does God have a way through that? Sometimes there's an obstacle that it seems like it is impregnable. It cannot be solved. Does God specialize in solving the impossible? We have to remember it. And the key here is who had known all the works of the Lord. Have you ever recognized that it's easy for us to forget things. And it seems especially easy for us to forget what God has done for us and for others. But they remembered. Now, I want to quickly look at the book of Judges. Judges is summarized by the four R's. Rebellion, retribution, repentance, and restoration. Restoration. Judges shows a God who is long-suffering even when his people do not deserve it. And there are good judges. There are good stories in the book of Judges. But as a whole, the book of Judges goes from bad to worse. Let's just think through some of the stories. Gideon, God delivers Gideon. He delivers this amazing victory. And what does Gideon do? And then Gideon goes and he makes an ephod and starts worshiping him. God just delivered him from an amazingly large army with 300 men. And then Abimelech, Gideon's son, kills all of his brothers. There are things in Judges that sometimes we just shake our head and say, Why or how did they do that? Jephthah promises to sacrifice whoever comes out first from his house. And who's who comes out first? His daughter. God has just used him for this great victory, and now he says he's going to sacrifice his daughter. And then there's Samson. What does Samson do? He single-handedly fights lions. He kills 3,000 Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. They trap him in a city, and oh, he just lifts the city gates up and goes and puts them on top of a hill. God is using him, but then you read what Samson does, and he's going and seeing these different women, and then he's telling them what his secret is, and you're wondering, Samson, why are you doing this? Do you ever? Is it just me, or do you think of that when you read that story sometimes? And it still just keeps getting worse in the book of Judges. You have a Levite that becomes a priest, and then you have Micah, and he steals all this money from his mother, and then his mother says, Oh, bless you. You, you stole my money. What? Let's go take this money and let's make an idol out of it. Then you have an entire tribe coming and stealing the Levite and making him... It's just confused. It's mixed up. You have this other Levite and he goes back to get his concubine and they end up... It's just... You read it and you just say... It's like... If that wasn't bad enough, now we have something else that's bad. You have the Levite and his concubine in Judges 18 and... Or 19, right in there. And... They say, well, let's not not stay in the city of a stranger's. Let's go to one of the cities of our own people. And what happens in one of the cities of their own people? His concubine is abused and killed. And you say, it would have been better to go to the stranger's city. See what I mean? Things go from bad to worse in the book of Judges. And then you have the children of Israel getting upset about this and they go and they exterminate or almost exterminate an entire tribe. And as you read it, you're just thinking, what is going on here? Joshua was such a triumphant, victorious book, and then we read the book of Judges, and the story is completely changed. What what were the issues in the book of Judges? Number one, Judges Judges chapter one begins by laying out that they did not drive out the Canaanites, fully. And it goes through this tribe, this tribe, this tribe, this tribe, but they didn't drive them all out. But they didn't drive them all out. They followed the Lord's directions partially. When you only partially do what God says, that's a recipe for disaster. In Joshua, they followed Jesus fully. In Judges, they follow him partly. But is it easy for us to slip into only following him partly sometimes? And then there's the verse that we began with. Judges concludes with this verse. Judges 21, 25. It's given also in Judges 17, verse 6, I believe as well. But this is the conclusion verse of the book of Judges. This tragedy from what could have been God's love being extended to his people even though they're not reciprocating to his love. And we read in verse 25, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. They followed the Lord partly. And they had their own standard that they used. And as we saw at the beginning, is the standard of our own eyes Is that valid for us to follow? Our eyes can trick us. Our eyes do trick us. Now, obviously, it's not saying they are physical eyes here, but just like our physical eyes can trick us, can our spiritual eyes trick us as well? If we're following our own ways, our own eyes, We're not necessarily right in God's eyes. Turn with me quickly to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs 30 verse 12. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. There is a generation that's pure in its own eyes. There is a generation that is right in its own eyes, but is not washed from its filthiness. The judge's generation was pure in their own eyes. They were following what was right in their own eyes. But our standard is not God's standard. When I read this verse, there's a generation that is pure in its own eyes, but is not washed from its filthiness. I think of our generation today. Our generation says if it feels good, do it. Is that a standard that God uses? Absolutely not. Yet if it feels good, do it. And it's so easy to deceive ourselves. God isn't that particular. God doesn't care about this or that or the other, whatever we're excusing for ourselves. Sometimes people have told me, God wants me to be happy. And I'm not disagreeing with that statement. He does. But not in violation of what God says. The judges, the period of the judges, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. For a while, that verse confused me because was it a good thing that they asked for a king? No, it was not. So what does it mean? In those days, there was no king, but everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The book of Judges tells us, Gideon says, don't make me a king. Who is to be their king? God was to be their king they were not following their heavenly king. They were doing what was right in their own eyes. When we make our own standards, when we think that our ways are better than God's ways, it's the most deceptive thing in the world and it only leads from one disaster to another, just like the book of Judges. The worst thing in the world would be to think that you're all right when you're all wrong. And that's what we have in the book of Judges. We have that Levite that's worshiping with this idol and they say, now God will bless me because I have a Levite to worship at my idol. This is confused thinking. God can't bless disobedience to him. Right in our own eyes is not necessarily right in God's eyes. Judges warns us don't follow our own ways. Joshua proclaims follow Jesus, your true king. There are optical illusions in the world today. But even worse than the optical illusions are the spiritual illusions. Jeremiah 20 Jeremiah 17:9 says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Desperately wicked, who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked, who can know it? Following our own ways, not bringing our lives in conformity to God's standard of his word is the most disastrous course that we can follow. But we don't have to be in judges we can be in Joshua. <laughs> in Joshua what did they do? They served him all their days. They followed him. They weren't obeying partly. They weren't just partly following him. They were serving him fully and completely and God blessed them. He uh, he fulfilled his promises to them. When you put the books of Joshua and Judges together, the only safety, the only way of blessing in this world is following Jesus, our King, fully and completely. Any other path leads us down the disastrous consequences that the book of Judges follows. And so as God said to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Follow your king. He will be with you always. I want to follow him always. Do you want to follow him always? May that be our experience. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we just pray that you will help us not to follow our own eyes, follow our own ways, our own standards. Help us to recognize the importance of following your standard, your way, and that that is the only way of victory and of happiness. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.